Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on January 30th, 2022, on the basis of Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31, by guest pastor Benjamin Tomzak. dear friends in Christ. Acts chapter 4 reminds us about the persecution that the Christian church faces. So on the one hand, we can't be surprised. We just cannot be surprised or shocked when the rulers of the world stand against Christ and they stand against his church. It's been going on for millennia. In fact, the part of Psalm 2 that these Christians sing together as they rejoice at the return of Peter and John, it's 3,500 years old. For 3,500 years, the church has sung, the people's plot, the nation's rage, the rulers gather together against the Lord. And then you could read in Revelation chapters 12 and 13, and you can watch the devil, having failed to devour Christ, he goes around seeking out allies, helpers, people he thinks might hound and harass and hopefully kill us. So you can't be surprised. You can't be surprised by how our enemies behave. Because not only have you seen it, but God announces it. He says it. They hate him, and they hate his church. They snort and they stamp around like angry animals. Just read the rest of Acts chapter 4 this afternoon, the the beginning part of it where you see Peter and John under arrest. And you can watch these religious leaders bluff and bluster. Of course, it won't just be a leader or two here and there or, or the mob that we might face even. It can be the entire culture. It is the world, Psalm 2 tells us, that the scriptures tells us, that is against the Lord and against his anointed one. And it's not a matter of ignorance. It's it's not like these leaders didn't realize what they were doing. They knew who Peter and John were. They knew exactly who they were. They knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus, and they knew exactly who Jesus was. They knew that there had been a miraculous healing in Jerusalem that Peter and John performed in the name of Jesus. They knew it. They couldn't deny it. They didn't even want to deny it. They just want to stop it. And they tell Peter and John to stop it or else. Of course, Peter and John can't. Peter and John won't. When told to stop, Peter and John say, salvation is found in no one else. For There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And when these religious leaders command them to stop saying that, Peter and John say, it is, is it right in God's sight to obey you rather than God? Now, I'll bet when Peter and John told this to the Christian congregation back at home, it really fired them up. I'm sure it inspired them. Just like I'm sure it inspired Dr. Luther when he had to stand before princes and emperors. When he read this, so that he too could say, here I stand. I could do no other. 
It inspires us. Christians stand all around the world because they read and hear things like this. In Nepal, for example, baptism under the age of 18 is a criminal offense, punished by up to five years in prison. Yet they baptize. In India, if you're going to change religion to anything other than a Hindu, you have to report that fact to the governing authorities. And yet they convert. Over the past couple of years in our own country, people are beginning to wonder if it's a Peter and John moment, right? People are beginning to wonder if it's time to say, some of them really want to say, is it right in God's sight to obey you rather than God? Now, all I'm going to say about it is you better make sure you're standing on a God-commanded thing when you say that. Not a feeling, not a grievance, not a political disagreement, but a God-commanded thing. These are the moments when it's good to hear the advice of St. Augustine, a church leader from North Africa in the 400s who said, Lord, those are your best servants who wish to shape their life on your answers rather than shape your answers on their wishes. All of this is a really good reminder for us, though. It's a good reminder for us about how careful we must be with power. Seeing the nations and the leaders and the rulers and the peoples plotting against God, plotting against Christ, plotting against the church, that should warn us against marrying the political. Because these powers will turn on us. Always. I guarantee it. I think about our synod's new mission efforts in Vietnam. Think about this. A communist country wants us to come preach the gospel. This is amazing. Who would ever think of such a thing? But I make you a promise. You cannot be surprised. You dare not be surprised when they take it all back. Or when you discover that the whole time they've been using you for their own political purposes. And don't be surprised when you're no longer helpful to them in some political fashion that they turn their backs on you and reject you and throw you out. At best, they might just revoke permissions. All right, we're done. We're going to take back our property. At worst, they will punish and penalize. We're bringing it a little bit closer to home. Think about how urgently we, we advocate for, for our courts, especially the Supreme Court, to, I don't know, overturn Roe versus Wade or, or to take away protections for gay marriage. Or, or we, we advocate for candidates and we demand that they do such a thing. Be, let's be careful. Those are great ends, but think of the means you might be required to do to carry them out. Or think of the people you might ally yourself with to accomplish these means. Or, or realize this, there's the other side, right, who want the opposite things, and someday you know what they'll have? The same levers of power that you have. I'm not saying it's pointless to engage in politics. I'm not saying it's sinful or wrong to engage in politics. Go ahead, do politics. Christians can be involved in politics. It's okay. But the church, the church does God's word. The church isn't interested in political power, making political hay, or, or getting political gain. That was not the prayer of these Jerusalem Christians 
after Peter and John came home. They didn't go praying, all right, Lord, can you please bring us some new, more amenable religious leaders? Can you elect some of us to, to the high priesthood? That wasn't their prayer at all. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's what the church does. The church preaches Jesus Christ no matter what, recognizing that a lot of that what is going to be really bad. Now, on the other hand, God finds a way. Did you notice Peter and John came back unharmed? Because God finds a way. And God finds his people. God always finds his people. It may be one, like Rahab and Jericho, or Naaman, the soldier from an enemy nation. Or maybe it'll be a couple of thousand people, like the couple of thousand people who joined the church even as Peter and John were being dragged away in handcuffs. That's what makes Acts 4, verse 28, our key. The church said, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God acted. God decided. Beforehand. From eternity, in fact. God knew all this stuff. He knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, more than that, this all played right into God's hands. Herod and Pilate killed Jesus. That was the lamb bearing the sins of the world. Do you know what that makes Herod and Pilate? Idiots. Just like our enemies today. They will bring war and persecution upon the world and upon the church. I guarantee it because Jesus promised it. But do you know what they're doing? They're acting like a doctor who gives a drug to a pregnant woman in order to induce labor. Do you realize what they're doing? They're making Christ come sooner. Have you ever considered that? They're planting the seeds of their own doom and destruction. Consider that as pain and persecution comes, as it presses down upon you and upon the church. Consider that, that enemies facilitate God's will. They do what he knew beforehand would be accomplished. And all the while, God remains with us. Of course, maybe you'd like a little proof of that, right? Maybe you would like this room to shake like it did for the Jerusalem Christians just for God to say, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Maybe we should ask God to do that. We could add it into the, the prayer of the church today. Lord, show us your power. And he could do it too. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to because he's done something even more powerful than shaking a room. It's God who said, where two or three of you come together in my name, there I am with you. Where the church is, Jesus is. And where Jesus is, there is life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins, as you learned in catechism. Where Jesus is, we have his powerful promise. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's why these Jerusalem Christians heard Peter and John tell the story of what had happened to them, and they drew just one conclusion from it. 
the Creator God has done great things for us. Because by seeing Peter and John with their eyes, they saw the Lord frustrate the plans of the wicked. Enemies wanted to harm Christians, and they couldn't figure out how to do it. They looked at Herod and Pilate, and and they said to the Lord, Lord, these guys killed Jesus, and it didn't work. They were just doing your will. Which is why we can keep going. We can keep going even, even if they aim the water cannons at us. Even if they tax us and our churches, burn our churches. Even if they arrest us. I'm not saying you have to grab the lion by the mouth and stick your head in there. I'm just saying we know that there are a lot of things that we say and do that will not be well received, and we know it. But we also know that the Lord is our Lord. And the Lord cares for his things. And we, we are his things, his people, his beloved. That's what allowed these Jerusalem Christians to shout from the rooftops what Jesus Christ had whispered in their ears. These threats they faced, it didn't drive them underground. It didn't drive them into hiding. And it doesn't have to drive us underground either. We can object to our society when our society is godless. We can do it out loud. We can face death knowing that we've got life on our side. We can face death because we've heard Jesus Christ say, all men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. And that's the promise of your baptism. That's the promise you receive in the Holy Supper. That is the promise of the Word of God. That's the promise who died for you at the hands of, wait for it, a government. A government that tried to put an end to his work, who plotted against Christ, but their plots were in vain. His death wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. And then he shook the earth. He shook the earth when he rose from the dead, and he'll do it again. He will shake the entire earth when he comes again to take us to be with him and put an end to all these enemies. That's why we can, with confidence, follow St. Paul when he says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because you just sang it in our psalm today. Blessed is he whose hope is in the Lord his God. Amen.